I love that word that Eugene brought. I'm the one who's carried you from your womb. God has always been carrying us. And this morning, I hope to show you that in how we're going to go through the Word of God today. We are in a series called Better Than the Good All Days, which we started last week. And this series is based on the narrative of the story of the prophet Haggai coming to the people of Judah and saying that it's time for you to really focus on building the house of the Lord. But Better Than the Good Old Days is more than just a story of Haggai. Last week I shared with you guys that it is our story found within the pages of this short book of two chapters. So just a quick recap, because as it is with a sermon series, it's like watching a series on TV. You, you've got to have a little bit of a context of uh, what happened before. You guys know that first 30-second clips that some of us skip because we remember what happened? But quickly, just what happened before, where have we been in Haggai 1 last week, is that the people of God have been without the glory of God for quite some time. They were taken captive. They were under the Babylonian captivity and the temple, which represents the place where God's glory dwells and where his glory physically came and dwelt, wasn't in their midst, but it was also plundered. So they've returned after the king of Babylonia said, go back home. But instead of restoring the place where God's glory dwells, they ended up restoring their own homes. And the prophet Haggai stepped onto the scene, speaking to the leaders and saying, is it a time for you to live in paneled homes while the house of God lies in ruins. He speaks to their lives, which has become quite a sticky situation. There's a drought. The things that they work for is being blown away. And we ended last week saying, when we build God's house, He builds our lives. That was where we ended last week. And that's where we're going to pick up. And my prayer this morning is that you would understand better what it is to build God's house. But I even want to raise our expectation. And I want to say, guys, let's be ready for revival. Not only to see every nation summer the West fully built into everything that God has for us. And I was hoping for one amen there. <laughs> At least. Be ready for revival. Thank you, Stefan, for the amen. Maybe there were some amens online, but can we be ready for revival? And I'm going to talk about that in a moment, what that means, because somehow all of us have a reference point as to what revival is, but golly, I hope we can be ready for it, because if we focus on building God's house, His dwelling place, which is His church, we will see it, because His word promises it. There's no doubt so we're going to look at how the people in Haggai responded, because we don't know yet. The questions have only been asked to them. They haven't had an opportunity to respond. And finding in their response, we will see how they ready themselves for a revival of the glory of God in their midst. Talking about revival, many things come to mind. You can go and search the dictionary of what it means, and it means multiple things, but for some people, it means a renewed attention. So all of a sudden, you're giving a little bit of attention to something that you kind of neglected. It could mean just a complete resurrection of something that was dead, that came alive. And 
obviously in Christian circles, when we talk about revival, we think about a renewed vigor and zeal for the purposes of God. But I want to help us this morning with a biblical definition of what revival is. It doesn't say it in a verse. I can't say, go read John 4 verse 19 and you'll see it standing there. It's the whole story. And this is what revival is in its essence. It's humankind reconnecting with God's original intent. It's man reconnecting with what God had for him from the very beginning. It's man's heart being awakened again to God's desire to dwell with man. That's what revival is. When a human being and a human soul realizes that, everything changes. So this morning, for us to understand how to see revival come, we've got to understand the heart of God through the whole story of human history. And I want to take us through that for a moment. From the very beginning, and the Bible is clear, God's plan for humankind was this, that there will be a dwelling place and a people of God who dwells in the presence of God, who lives in the purposes of God. So revival is a dwelling place where the people of God live in the presence of God, fulfilling the purposes of God. So every time that happens to a human being, revival takes place. Every time that happens to a larger community, revival takes place. We don't have to get on a plane to go and catch something somewhere else. The heart of the Father is that every Christian heart be revived and live in such a revival that it brings others to the original design that they, as a people of God, becomes a dwelling place for God, living in the purposes and the presence of God. It's as simple as that. And the people in Haggai got it, and they did it. And we'll look at that for a moment. But let me help you explain. My hope is that when you leave here today, you'll be able to explain what it is to build the house of the Lord. Because some of us still try and figure out, is it the building? Is it every nation sometimes the west? Is it a place? Is it... So let's go through God's original intent. Right in the beginning, and we're going to look at five things. Right in the beginning, God created... The heavens and the earth first. Otherwise, man wouldn't have anywhere to stay. God created the heavens and the earth, and it was beautiful, and it was good, and it was perfect. He created the entire cosmos, and inside of it, he placed man, and he said, you know what? I am going to take a residence in this beautiful created space, and I'm going to live with man, because man is my image bearer, and man is representing me, and they are under rulers in this cosmos that I created, and there it was. The house of God in Eden. Isn't it beautiful? So in creation story, we already see what God intended from the very start, to dwell with man. That hasn't changed, because there's no shadow of turning with him. That is still his heart. We know the story. Somehow that got broken. And all of a sudden, man and God dwells apart. And then God chooses a people through the lineage of Abraham, who becomes his people, and with this nation that, that grows and, and, and becomes a strong nation, God is saying, this is the nation, the people that I want to dwell in a place with my presence who can walk out my purposes. And that was his intent. 
But then in his sovereignty and his design, he wasn't only dreaming it for Israel, he was dreaming it for all peoples. So Israel find themselves in Egypt. The 12 sons of Jacob becomes a strong tribe. And the Pharaoh who was leading when Jacob was still, uh, Joseph was still there passes away. And a new Pharaoh comes and the people of God is oppressed. Something got broken again. And then God took them through the exodus and he led them out into the wilderness. And then we see the second dwelling place, the physical dwelling place of God on earth. So what happens is he, he meets them at the Mount Sinai on the mountain, and then he speaks to the leadership, and he says, go and put up a tabernacle, a tent, something that you can strike up and take along and put up again, that will hold my presence, because the dwelling place of God is with man. His heart didn't change. So they put up a tabernacle, and God would come down with his presence and tabernacle with his people. And they journeyed through the wilderness into the promised land, and they grew, and God established them, and there were ebbs and flows of heights and brokenness, and heights and brokenness, times where the presence of God came, and times where the presence of God left, because the people found themselves in brokenness again. And eventually, the third moment takes place, where Solomon builds God a temple in the midst of the city, Jerusalem. And God comes, and what does he do? There's a place amongst these people where his presence is going to come and dwell and where they can live around it and fulfill his purposes. See, all the way through, the story hasn't changed. But then, the same thing happens. Brokenness steps in. They start serving idols, other gods, pursuing other things. And then God allowed for them to be plundered and be taken into captivity, and then the temple itself, which hosted the glory of God, is completely destroyed, and they find themselves in Babylonian captivity, and here we are in Haggai, where these people have come back, and they look at a temple, and like, the glory of God isn't here. Our original design, they must have thought maybe, is that we would be a people that have a place for God to dwell with His presence, that we can live out His purposes. And there the prophet Haggai comes and speaks and says, you know why the glory is not here? Because you're only focusing on building your own homes. Restore the place where God can come with his glory and dwell. But there was a fourth move. Because Haggai was a prophetic pointing to Christ. And when Jesus stepped out of his divinity, coming into the earth, fully man, fully God, he accepted us and made a way again for God to dwell amongst man with his presence so that we can live in his purposes. But he did it in such a way that it's not at one place only, but it's in all his people at all times. Isn't that beautiful? So no more do we have to go to a place altogether and find it there through the cross and through what Jesus has done. He has said to each one of you, Byron, I want to dwell in you. I want to make you my dwelling place. I want to come and reside in you so that you would be a people, have a place, and that place is your body, and I want to live there, and you will live in my presence, and you will fulfill my purposes. So when we speak about building a house of God today, it's what we're speaking about. And this prophetic moment right before the new covenant, in, in, in our Bible at least, 
set us up to understand what God is after? Will we build a place where we are his people and where we say, Lord, your presence is so welcome here. Come and dwell amongst us. And we want to live in your purposes. Revival is when humans and human hearts connect with the original design again. But here's the beauty. There's a fifth act, a final act. And we read this in the end of Revelation, chapter 21, where it says again, the dwelling place of God is with man. And a new earth and a new heaven will come, and Jesus will come, and he will take all of us, his church, which are individual dwelling places, to a new dwelling place in his presence forever, again enjoying him, being in his presence, living out his purposes, and there will be no more crying, and no more tears, and no more pain, and no more death, and that is what we are walking towards. So when we say, we've got to be ready for revival, is it as simple as that? Do you want to be a place, a people, where the presence of God dwells and where you live in His purposes? Because if your heart is awakened to that and we become it collectively, then the community will see and they will become part of it and we are walking to the final act when Jesus comes and then forever and fully there's no more of these broken moments. But I believe the church as a whole finds herself in a broken moment because of the season that we've been through. A trying, tempting, difficult season. And many of us, like the Israelites, have chosen other things and we've lost the glory of God in our own lives. But the invitation of Haggai is clear. Be ready for revival. See, that's the story of God. That's the entire story. You can explain the Bible to someone right now, just seeing these five acts of where his presence comes and dwells with man. So let's open up our book to Haggai chapter 1. We're still there. If you don't know how to find Haggai, as I said last week, go to the New Testament four or five pages back and you'll find Haggai. And we're going to read how these people responded because I believe locked up in how they responded and how they readied their heart for the glory of God to be in their midst again, we will find some very practical means to understand how do we position ourselves for revival? How do we position ourselves to see our own church, our own families, our own community reconnect again with the purpose of God in our midst? So let's read Haggai 1, and this is the people's response for the first time after the prophet spoke. And we're going to read verse 12 to 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. 
And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. The prophet has spoken, and their hearts have been arrested. How will they respond? Have you thought this week on how you will respond on the invitation last week? But we see five clear things that these people do, and I believe if we do this, and they're simple things, but maybe they're hard things for most of us, because they are, but we have a Spirit of God who resides in us and empowers us to live in step with Him and actually see this happen. But if we do five simple things, I believe we as a church is ready for the revival that God wants to bring of reigniting hearts and connecting it with God's original plan. The first thing is doing what He says. We read it there. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. How do we become ready for revival? It starts with obedience. But it's not just obedience now. Just in the same way like there's been five acts of God's presence coming to dwell amongst his people, and we're in Act 4, and we're moving towards the final stage. Right at the beginning, how did God want to relate to humanity? In a trust relationship. There was one command in this perfect, beautiful cosmos that God and man dwelled in together. And it was, you know what, you can live Completely free. You are completely free. There's no restraint. But I want you to trust me. And I'm going to ask you to do just one thing. Don't eat of the forbidden fruit. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So you see, obedience has been part of God's story from the very beginning. But today we play it out like this. Oh, it's so legalistic. It's so hard. Such a fun spoiler. But God created man to dwell with him. And the premise on which he created that relationship is trust. And he said, trust me and follow my command. So when these people obeyed the words of God, they were trying to restore what was lost as well. Not just the presence of God, but how this relationship should work. And then we see it in the life of Jesus, Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Now he stands on a mountain like Moses did, and he brings a new law, and he fulfills the law, and then he speaks about the law that he now brings, the law of the new covenant. And then he says, don't just hear these words, but do them. Do what the Lord says. Obey the voice of the Lord, and then your life shall be like a... Anyone? A house. Isn't that what we're talking about? <laughs> and like a house, what? Built upon a rock. And then the storms of whatever long season may come, and that house will stand in the glory because that house is filled with the people of God who knows that they live in the presence of God for the purposes of God. So the first step to become ready for revival is to be obedient. 
We won't catch revival by just going somewhere and seeing something happen. I believe every true revival from God, and there's been amazing moments, have been found in an obedient people. A people who's in the word, a people who's on their knees and pray, a people who's actually willing to lay down their lives. Because if we want revival the way we really want it, you're going to have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's not just, I like that, Achenia. It's not just you and your friends that's going to have a lack of time of worship. Because God is after every human heart and connecting every human heart and the most broken human hearts back to the original intent to make that a dwelling place for himself. So Jesus said, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers. What would this church look like? If we lived every single sermon we hear for 52 weeks, every week on a Sunday, fully. That's obedience. John 14 verse 15 is the motive for obedience. If you love me, you will do what I command. It's not obedience first and then love comes. It is because we serve a God that wants to dwell with us. And he made a way to dwell with us again through Jesus Christ offering up himself. He has proven his love for us time and time again. He has not given up, and he has not even given up on you. And you might sit here today thinking, well, God has given up. But today he's saying, love me. Come back to the original design which I made you for. Because in that relationship of love, there would not be any other way for you to live. You will want to obey what I ask of you. Then it doesn't become duty. It's a delight, because I love him. It's because I love Jesus. Truly it is that I forgive others. It's because I love Jesus that I sacrifice my own flesh when it wants to take the better of me. It's because I love him that I say no to things and say yes to spending time with him. If you love me, you will do what I say. And I think the people of Israel, or Judah in the book of Haggai, when God spoke to them through the prophet, there was a rekindling of the love that they had for him. So to be ready for revival is to be a people of God who do what he says. Secondly, to be ready for revival is to live in awe of him. It said here, and the people feared the Lord. Now, let me share a little bit of a predicament with you guys. <laughs> Every time I have to preach about the fear of the Lord, there's this interchange, which word am I going to use? I'm going to use fear, or am I going to use awe, reverence? Because today we find it really hard to speak about the fear of the Lord, because no, it's not really something that, like, there should not be any fear, but... It's maybe just because we don't understand it correctly. I'm currently studying, and one of my professors said the other day, trying to help explain fear and how fear and love can beautifully coexist in a relationship. And he went around the room and he said, how many of you guys are married? And the hands went up. And then he said, how many of you married guys love your wives? And the hands stayed up. And he said, who's the person you're most scared of in this world? <laughs> Because you know, when you're invited to a braai, 
You don't decide, boys. <laughs> you shuffle closer and you set the scene to do the big ask. And then he said, so clearly it's possible that love and fear can fully and beautifully exist in the same relationship. Amen. I like it. Now the men are bold, eh? This is one for the men this morning. But you know what? The very first church, fully, fully enveloped by the Spirit, seeing a revival like no one has ever seen, fully in love with Jesus, fully on fire, fully living it out, they feared the Lord. They held Him in such an esteem that He, in His otherness, is different to us in our humanity. That we should live holy and pure and acceptable lives. And you can go and read that in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread, the doctrine of the apostles, to pray and to gathering and the communion and all these things. And then he said, and fear was on all the lives of the believers. Now awe is one of the ways that we describe fear. It's this idea of just standing in complete awe of who God is. But it's both. It's also Acts 9.31 where it said, and I love this, and I want you to hear this. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Spirit, the church had peace and multiplied. The fear of the Lord and His holiness and living rightly and the loving comfort of the Holy Spirit living in the same relationship. And these people feared God. Not only did they obey and said, okay, God, we'll build your house. In their hearts, they held a reverence for him, which I believe existed right in the beginning. I'm back here, guys. And when he made us with an original intent, where I believe the first humans lived in such reverence of God, completely free, completely liberated, and all they would do all day long is enjoy this beautiful, awesome other God that made a decision to dwell with man. So if we want to be ready for revival, we've got to be ready to live awed by Him. And what are you awed by today? What are you afraid of today? Are you afraid of the culture we're in and how quickly it's becoming an advanced, postmodern, socialistic culture? Be honest, are you afraid of that? I've had my moments where I've been, where the threats come and you wonder what it's going to look like in the future for ourselves, for a church community, for believers, for our children. But if we live in the awe of God, those things won't intimidate us. If we live rightly in our, our awe of who He is and how amazing He is and how incredible He is and how we want to live right with Him, it doesn't matter what comes. And Jesus Himself said, you've got to choose whether you're going to fear man or fear the Lord. So if we want to be ready for revival, not only do we obey, but we also live in awe. Thirdly, to be ready for revival is to live knowing His presence. I love this. God saying to them, I am with you, declares the Lord. And throughout the story of the Bible, that's been what God has been saying. He was with man in the beginning. But then what happened with Moses? When Moses had to lead the people out, what was his request? Unless your presence go with us, 
We will not depart. And God said, I am with you. And then throughout the story of the Old Testament, we see that. And then Jesus is who? Emmanuel, God who is with us. But then Jesus took his disciples aside and said, guys, I'm going to go to a place that no one wants to go. And I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. But have no fear. I am with you until the end. And Matthew 28, 19 comes to mind. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Teach them all things. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I am with you until the end. So a people who is ready for revival is a people who know who we've got on our side, and he's not going anywhere. And if he feels missing, it surely wasn't him that moved away. Because he's promised that he would be with us. I am with you. We read last week week out of Ephesians chapter 2, saying that we become and we are being built up as a spiritual house for God to dwell. This morning, the beauty of singing together, the collective voice, praising God, are those moments where we become aware that each one of us, yes, is a temple of the Spirit, but together we become this glorious place where His presence is manifest in our midst to another degree. So do you know His presence? Because it's one thing to obey Him. It's another thing to live in the fear and the awe of the Lord. But it's glorious, and we are invited to live in that place of the presence of God. And it's not something that comes We don't sing for it and then it shows up. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's Old Covenant. It's Act 2 and (laughs) 3, tabernacle and temple, if we think that there needs to be this. No. That's what happened with Jesus. He took the way. When he was baptized and he came out of the water, what was there? A dove hovering over the water And then he says, you are born again of spirit. So your understanding of presence has to maybe upgrade a little bit to know that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ and you're born again of spirit, then the inside of you becomes the place where the glory and the presence of God dwells. Do you live like that? Do we live like that in our workplaces, in our families, in our community? People who are ready for revival are a people of God knowing that they have become the place where His glory dwells. Remember original intent, that there would be a place for the people of God where the presence of God can dwell and they can live in the purposes of God. You have become that when you have become born again. So live there. Then the fourth thing we see in this beautiful moment in Haggai is that they got empowered by His Spirit. It said, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua and the son of Jehoshadak and the high priest and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, which was setting setting up for us an image of what was to come in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God would come into a place, into a house where people were waiting for Him, and He falls upon them, and He stirs them up, and He empowers them. And then the words of Jesus echoes through, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
He adds another depth and another layer to what it is to be a people revived. That's people empowered by the Spirit. Not out of our own strength. Not out of our own strife. Not trying. But if you obey and you live in awe and you know His presence and you know that every morning you wake up, He empowers you to live. Revival is going to follow in your footstep. You don't have to go and look for it. Isn't that beautiful? I know this is a controversial statement maybe to some, but I, I say Christianity is easy. Because <laughs> He's given us everything we need in order to live it out. It's all on His terms. He's given it to us. The hard part is actually accepting it and living there. And that's impossible because it's only through His Spirit and through the work of Jesus and grace that it makes it possible for us to live there. But if we understand that His Spirit is empowering us, and that's what we are about as an every nation house, is we are a Spirit-empowered people. We love the work of the Spirit. We love the gifts of the Spirit. We love the operating work of the Holy Spirit in our homes when we gather, when we sing, when we're out in the streets, when we pray for people. I want to see just a, just a reigniting of that power of the Spirit in our midst. Because it fits so beautifully in this invitation to be ready for revival. And then lastly, the people took action. They were working on his house. Up until now, they were working on their own homes. But they obeyed. They restored their all, the fear of the Lord. They knew that there's a presence that wants to dwell with them and they want to live there. The Spirit rushed upon them and quickened them from the inside, and then they took action. It is the saddest thing when I see a disciple abort right before the action part. Go through all these things. Obedience, reading the word and understanding it. Living in God's worship, understanding His presence, enjoying it, and then also the empowering of the Spirit, but no action is taken. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand so that you may walk in them. If we want to see revival, we better become people of action. We've got to be people of good works. We've got to be people who take the effort to become uncomfortable and go out and reach out to people in need. We've got to live in that place where we are not satisfied when our families and our friends have not been shared about what it is to become the dwelling place of God and inviting them there and saying, you are going to struggle and strive for your entire life because you're missing out on the original design. You were made to be a people of God where his presence can dwell and you can live out your purpose. So if we want to see revival come, guys, we've got to be ready for action. This church has to stand up, and we all have to stand up and say, no more sitting back. We are going to be people of action who give when there's need, who speak up when there's injustice, who reach out when there's brokenness, who sits and listens when someone just needs an ear, who prays when things are hard, 
who believes that reading the Bible is the first step of action we've got to take and actually reading it, who speaks about the Bible, who doesn't just bry, but uses a bry to speak about Jesus, who comes to church with hearts full of gratitude so that we can come and sing His praises because we are the people of God dwelling in the presence of God for the purposes of God. And that, I believe, is revival. If we find that again, in ourselves, and we live in the community, you've got to be ready. This venue is way too small. So the question this morning to all of our hearts is this. Are you ready for revival? Are you ready for the restoration and the reconnecting of man's soul with God's original plan? To bring man back to a place to become a people of God, to dwell in the presence of God, fulfilling the purposes of God. Because we're in between the fourth act and the final act. And one day Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to say to each one of you, you heard the sermon. Did you just hear the word or did you do it? You were asked, what is your life being awed by? And there was some other stuff in your life that, that got the better of you. And you were given an opportunity to restore worship unto me. You were invited to live and dwell in a place with the constant presence of my spirit. But you pushed it down at times. Say, not now. Got other things I want to do. You were empowered to live right. You didn't have to do it out of your own strength, but you kept on striving. And you never took action. Or will he say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Step into my kingdom. Step into the final act. Come and taste what I had for you at the very beginning. And the only way we move from here back to here through the man Jesus who gave his life. So in all of this, to be ready for revival is to be with Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. I believe there might be people in this room who do not follow Jesus today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. Maybe you've been trying to restore your own life, not knowing what the original design is God had for you from the very beginning. And you've been hearing His Spirit speak to you today and say, you can become a dwelling place for me. If that's you this morning, we don't need music to make a decision. It's a deep decision in your heart. But you say, my spirit needs to be born again. If that's you this morning, I, I just want you to, I'm not going to put any weird pressure on you. It's a moment with God.
If that's you this morning, just in your mind, speak to him and say, Jesus, I say yes to you today. Thank you, Lord, for your working. If you've made that decision, I'll be up front here after the service. Some of the leaders will be up front here. Come speak to us. We want to pray with you and explain to you how you start walking this out. But then for the rest of us, I want you to take five minutes not going to have music play. It's just a moment to think about this word. I want you to think about obedience, about the fear of the Lord, about the dwelling place of His presence, about His Spirit giving you strength, and about action. And I want you, if you've got a pen, to write down what He is saying to you today. Maybe there's one of these areas that He's really saying, come, let's work on this one. Be ready for revival. Maybe he's speaking to you about all of those. And in fact, yes, I want you to do this. If you are with people, let's be vulnerable and share with one another what God has highlighted to you today. Because then there's accountability. Then it's becoming hearers of the word who says, now we're going to go and be doers of it. So let's take a few minutes before we move on into the rest of the day to think and you're welcome to have conversation. Team back there will just put on something soft in the background. Uh, but let's speak to God and let's speak to one another. Amen. Jullie moet nou nie skaam wees mekaar nie hoor. Jullie mag met mekaar praat. Sie stil de kerk nie. Is praatkerk. Okay.
I'm going to give you guys just a minute to conclude, but the conversations can go on when we finish this morning. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to be ready. We choose this morning to be ready. We choose to awaken up our own hearts and say, come on. I want to be ready for the reviving work of God in my own life and the life of those around me. Lord, be ready to see you restore people back to what you had in mind them and then looking in the already of what you've brought us through the cross we also know that we're living in the not yet of what is coming and this morning lord we look with anticipation to these words then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Thank you, Lord, that we are walking towards this promise, that we get to taste some of the fruit of your kingdom today already, that we get to live to a degree already in what you've given us, Lord. But as we know that it's not yet fully ours, Lord, we say today, like the people in the book of Haggai, that we are ready, Lord, to build your house. And we are ready, Lord, to do your work of revival. We thank you for that. I bless you this morning in being a dwelling place of the Father, knowing that it's come to you through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and expressed in the living power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
Amen. If you responded to Jesus this morning and you want us to pray with you, please come forward. We'll just be around here. I'd love to pray with you. For the rest of you guys, have an awesome week. We'll be back here next week for episode three of Better Than the Good Old Days. See you guys there. Amen.